Welcome back to another episode of For Fintech's Sake. I'm your host, Zach Anderson Pettit. It has been too long, my friends. I'm excited to be back with a fun episode featuring the actual AWS of fintech, that is namely Amazon Web Services. My guest today is Catherine Van Nuys. Catherine's the global head of fintech at AWS. We recorded this a while back, so I'm excited to finally get to share it with you. Without further ado, enjoy my conversation with Catherine Van Nuys. Catherine, welcome to For Fintech's Sake. It's good to have you on here. How are you today? Great. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. And I've been it looking is. forward to this. It is. Let's let's do the COVID check-in. Where are you calling from today? <laughs> I'm calling from my parents' house in a suburb of New York City as my apartment couldn't quite fit two people working from home and my two-year-old daughter as well. So we've been very fortunate to, to be able to come and have a little more space. That is beautiful. Well, I'm glad you got, you got a room to yourself. You got some quietness. Let's, uh, exactly. let's, let's get fintechy. So kicking things off a little bit, just kind of going back to the, the history of Catherine. Can you just give me a little sense of your background, kind of what led you into AWS and like some, some of the notable pieces of that? Sure. So for everyone, I'm Catherine Van Nuys. I lead fintech business development for the startup team at AWS. And I've been there a little over two and a half years. And my background was I started in one of those analyst training programs at Citigroup right out of college. And I worked in mortgage securitization and then was at Lehman Brothers where I was on the short-term credit trading desk. And I focused on asset-backed commercial paper. So pretty early in my career, I had a bit of a front row seat to the 2008 crisis, both given the product set that I was working on and, and just being at Lehman at that time. So after that, I got my first taste of startups where I moved to work at Rabini Global Economics, where I ultimately ran the sales side for the business in London and focused on kind of everything outside of the Americas. And that company was growing really, really fast. And I had the opportunity to wear a lot of hats and take on new responsibilities. And that definitely whet my appetite for, for working in startups. And so ultimately, I ended up back in the US and, and found my way into fintech, where I led business development and then capital markets for a consumer lender and then a small business lender before I joined AWS. Uh, let's fast forward to AWS. So tell me, about, tell me about your day job there and kind of what that encompasses and, uh, and what you're focused on. Sure. So maybe just for those of you listening who might not be as familiar as I, I wasn't a few years ago, AWS offers a very strong value proposition for startups as we have low cost, easy to use infrastructure to build and grow your business. And we provide global secure infrastructure so you can get up and running immediately. And I'm part of the startup organization and my colleagues are former founders and investors or startup executives. And we're focused on supporting startups from the very early stages all the way through the different phases of growth. And so in my role, I'm focused on how do we help fintech companies achieve success through, through all the different capabilities that AWS has. That, really, really quick there. That's one of the things that's always fascinated me most about everybody that I've ever met from AWS, like back even at Fountain City Fintech and having having startups that were trying to get into AWS or we, I guess we were in AWS activate, but startups interfacing with that team, it was always an ex founder or always like an ex, you know, an ex CEO or somebody that always, it really confused me why they were in the role they were in. And it just seems like an entrepreneurial, like a deep bench of entrepreneurs. Does how, 
it, it, I mean, I guess the question is how conscious is that? It seems like something that Amazon really focuses on, specifically AWS really focuses on. Certainly within our organization, it's very conscious that they're looking. We we hire because we want people that certainly embody the leadership principles and that we have at AWS, but within these teams, individuals that can empathize, understand, and be a peer to the entrepreneurs that we're working with. And I think they appreciate that they're working with people that have that experience and that knowledge. So we can either mentor or just help drive the right resources and and be the voice of the customer internally. So that's definitely something that's very conscious in the way that we hire. So talk to me more about, about the AWS stack, I guess, you know, I think a lot of people think of this as a commodity. They think of it as, you know, something you pull off the shelf and it used to be somewhere in my office. Now it's somewhere in the cloud. That's all I need to know. But I I think there's a lot more to it, right? Microservices, all these things that you're doing specifically for the fintech world. Can you dig into that a little bit? Sure. So AWS has both, we provide compute, storage, databases, machine learning and analytical tools. So there's an entire suite of products and services. And we have the the most robust um, cloud infrastructure platform out there, the the most services and, and the deepest experience. And so... So they, they're able to leverage that. And then I think when you think about fintech, some of the more kind of nuanced ways that we work with those customers is around, we think a lot about security and compliance is obviously critical for, for all, you know, all customers, but certainly when you're, when you're dealing with different regulations and compliance uh, concerns based on your geography or who your customers are, or who you're selling to. And so we actually have a, a team of compliance experts who work with customers to understand the various regulations and best practices for building their technology on AWS. And so whether it's customers such as Upstart or Root Insurance that handle customer data or fintechs that sell to enterprises such as Amenity Analytics, we think about how can you help create the appropriate security and compliance posture to protect customer data. Or maybe it's a PCI compliance or, or something along those lines. And so in our view, it's really important that our customers think about that as early as possible and not try and retro, retrofit it later. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Major shout out to Root Insurance. I'm a happy user and I I love every second of that business. It's so beautiful. Um, So outside of Root, like maybe more... What, what is like one kind of example you and I talked previously and Mon's your story about Monzo really jumped out to me. What are, what are kind of your favorite examples of, of startups that have engaged with you guys early and kind of grown with you over time at AWS? Sure. So, so I mentioned Monzo, they're a UK based Neo bank and they built a fully regulated bank on AWS in just a few years. And they chose AWS because they had to comply with different regulations uh, issued by the UK's Financial Conduct Authority, which which also uses AWS. What was fascinating about them is they uh, run over 400 core banking microservices so that customers can instantly transfer funds or freeze and unfreeze lost cards and manage their money. And so last I checked, they were running a bank with over 4 million customers and they had just eight people on their infrastructure and reliability team. That still doesn't make any sense to me, but it makes me very happy. That's awesome. And another, uh, I think another interesting example I can bring up is everyone's listening is probably familiar with Stripe. And so they've delivered their PCI compliant uh, payment platform on AWS since 
2011. And so they really use that the security best practices and the easy auditability of the AWS platform, which is also really important. Uh, and that and using AWS, they've been able to scale. They have grown dramatically and they've seamlessly scaled to be able to handle billions of dollars of transactions every day. And they're in, I think, over 40 countries at this point in time. So the elephant in the room with all of the growth and all of the, you know, beautiful things that we're talking about is the past six months and COVID and the, the new reality that we seem to live in. How much of that, I mean, is, is COVID accelerating that? Are people, you know, moving even more to the cloud? I'm guessing a lot of these startups weren't really considering on-prem, but kind of what are you, what are you seeing since, since COVID's hit and has it, is the growth still happening? Just kind of what's happening out there? Sure. So I'll speak, I can speak to both the startup and then also I think you mentioned maybe some of the on-prem migrations, which is yeah. a little more relevant for some of our larger legacy customers. But I think what, what's, what I love about my role in AWS is we always work backwards from the needs of the customers. So what we've seen is those needs have, have shifted over the past few months. And so we've just had to refocus based on what's, what challenges they're facing today. So when COVID first happened, we did a lot of work around cost optimization because all of our the startups are over pretty much overwhelmingly cloud native or, or on AWS. And so yeah. we built webinars and content to help them with some just immediate ways to reduce costs and, and look to optimize their environments. We also brought in technical ec- experts that needed to support fintechs and banks that had to scale up and be ready to support the U.S. CARES Act. So, uh, for example, we worked with a company called FinZAC, their core banking as a service yeah. solution, and we helped to, to support the onboarding of their customers in a very accelerated time frame. Uh, and that collaboration helped ensure that over $2 billion in CARES Act funding was, di- was distributed. Uh, similarly, a company, uh, Cabbage, they they use you know they were able to also ramp up very quickly use some of our services to help facilitate that the 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 PPP process and they ended up being the second largest provider uh, in the country by by volume which is pretty exciting so even though the the times are challenging we're seeing we're seeing our companies leverage AWS and the services that we offer to uh, streamline their processes and and do a great job of, of meeting their customers where they need to be. So I think so really digital services have just never been as important as they are now. And yeah. so when you look at some of the, the enterprises, I think companies are having to manage a majority or vast majority of their workforces uh, now working remotely. And so legacy technology can be a, a bit of a challenge in that. And so we're seeing uh we're seeing the migrations that were already happening for a number of years just uh, just move forward a little bit. And I think there's just more and more interest in the different ways we can help customers. So one thing we've seen uh, a lot is Amazon Connect, and that's a virtual call center to enable customers to provide really just optimal customer service virtually. Uh, and so National Australia Bank, as they had to close branches, needed new channels to serve customers and are leveraging that service. So we're seeing those types of, of trends uh, happen. Yeah. So this whole like, you know, everybody and their mom's talking about how the the digital transformation is moving up by 10 years or 20 years or whatever number you want to pick. It sounds like you're seeing that kind of day in and day out. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I've, we've seen that migration happen. Uh, 
large established organizations have already been moving uh, to the cloud. HSBC announced most recently, but we have you know Barclays and Goldman Sachs as well, or FINRA that are all moving or or have large parts of their infrastructure on the cloud. So it's it's happening. What's it like engaging with regulators? Like when you said that earlier about the uh, about the FCA, FINRA, like these are not. Um, not generally known as fast moving institutions, but it sounds like maybe they're being pushed in a kind of a time frame that they're not used to. What's it like kind of engaging with them? So I don't engage with them directly in my role. We do have the, a team of experts that, that works with both the regulators to help educate them about cloud and also understand changes and, and what's yeah. happening out there to, to, so we can also best serve our customers. So I would have to ask, ask them uh, to get a better sense. That's fair. Well, it's really interesting because I think one of the... One of the things that I've heard the most from founders and from regulators both is just how much they speak a different language. And the idea that the idea that the regulators are moving to the cloud doesn't seem like a big deal. But from my perspective, there's actually the, the, a big a big shift happening there in mutual understanding almost kind of thing, right? As they're kind of forced to move to the cloud, it seems like they're going to peel back layers of why maybe a lot of the groups that they've been regulating started there and why it maybe makes sense for everyone else to start there. And it's just, it's interesting. It sounds like there's more of a, like the, the regulated and the regulators are starting to use a similar tech stack over time. And that could be a really interesting, uh, I don't know, interesting journey. And I don't know if I have a question there, but that's just, it's fascinating to think about. Yeah. I think one of the things that we focus on too is around the education piece and, and helping people get comfortable, um, with utilizing AWS and newer technologies that maybe they, when, if they were used to more on-prem or different technologies. And so we spend a lot of time and focus on training hundreds of thousands of people up on AWS. And I think that also helps drive as, as more people understand about the security and the flexibility and elasticity and exactly the benefits that it provides. And, um, and sort of understand this world-class infrastructure, I think we're seeing um, more and more comfort with organizations moving moving on to the cloud. Yeah, it's interesting to think about how that could shift regulation too. You know, like the from my previous life at NBKC, there was, you know, a room in which the regulators would live. We would walk in, or not we, I, I never did this, thank goodness, but people would walk in, you know, sheets of paper, the paper would be sifted through, I would walk by and be like, wow, is that really how we do this still? And uh, it's, it just seems like a positive thing to think about how, you know, the FDIC and all these different groups are starting to just shift the way they think about regulation. And it seems like there's more and more kind of dr- driving in the direction of automating those samples and everything else. So it's anyways, it's really interesting. And I love, I love when regulators start getting innovative because that just means, means good things for the world kind of thing. Innovation is always wonderful wherever, wherever it may happen. I mean, yeah, that's what we're excited about being able to the extent that we're helping our customers move in that direction. It, we love it. Yeah. So let's, let's go down the, the FinTech nerdiness rabbit hole a little bit and just kind of talk about Catherine's perceptions in the world. Um, the, maybe this one's kind of Catherine perception, kind of AWS perception, but everybody in the world, everybody in this fintech Arati space that we live in uh, has some version of an opinion about quote unquote, the AWS of fintech. And I think at the end of the day, 
you kind of represent the actual AWS of fintech. So I'm curious if you have thoughts about, you know, what that looks like in the rest of the space, um, just portions of that that you're excited about. So I think there's a few, a few different pieces to this that, that we've been seeing. So one that is happening more and more is, is fintechs leveraging other fintechs. And mm. what I mean by that is startups are increasingly outsourcing parts of their technology stack to other fintechs to increase speed the market, meet regulatory requirements, or enable them just to better focus on the customer relationship and, and what makes them unique. And so we've seen that in partnerships for payment processing or fraud detection or more of these core banking solutions that are, are coming out and gaining a lot of traction. Uh, know your customer, even even card issuing as well. Yeah. So we've seen AWS customers, Galileo, Plaid. I guess now they've been they've been acquired. They're still customers, but I guess not really startups anymore. Uh, both seen, of those have been acquired. It's it's a, it's been a year. Yeah, so they've seen massive, you know, obviously massive success. Uh, then we also see brands or or sort of not non financial services organizations adding in financial services, and mm-hmm. so I think consumer demands have been driving many improvements and changes in the way that financial services are delivered. And so the future of financial services seems to be moving towards a more highly customized and deeply integrated products to just meet people where, where they are. And so um, what we're seeing from customers is fintech, such as you know, Bond Technology or Rouse Bank in the UK or Marketa, that just make it really easy for any company to incorporate financial services as part of their offering and make it very easy to just get off the ground with the financial product. And so... I think giving SaaS businesses the ability to embed financial services in their core software product is super interesting. I think Move Financial is an open source embedded banking platform, also just raised uh, capital. So there's there's real demand and, and certainly investor and, and venture capital money going into the space. And so what's funny about my role is that fintech, the definition of fintech seems to keep broadening and encompassing more and more as financial yeah. services are just more you know, ubiquitous in, in all the different brands and, and companies that we, we engage with. So... I guess one last thought on this too is around the uh, customers are, are looking at that middleware layer, which you know, t- we've touched about it in the other two kind of themes, but this is more from the enterprise, thinking about how can enterprises really easily connect in uh, and use other solutions and applications that they need to, to simplify and streamline their business. So we yeah. see an example of that is FinConnecta, one of our customers. They're helping um, create both a sandbox environment and essentially an adapter between startups and legacy financial institutions to help drive more of that partnership and uh, and having the, the big enterprises also take advantage of some of these trends. So, yeah, we're we're seeing uh, that just accelerate yeah. the last number of months. It's weird how this shift almost seems to be happening between like from product market fit, right? With the idea of I have a debit card and I'm going to find the exact person that needs this debit card because I'm convinced about some thesis kind of thing versus I've built a distribution channel and I've realized that that distribution channel could benefit from financial services. It's almost like, it's almost like when people tell me about product market fit now, it's like, that's great, but do you have distribution market fit? And can you like actually vertically integrate a financial services thing, be that a card, an installment loan, whatever that is inside of that, you know, vertically integrated distribution channel that you figured out. Like the, the Verizon wireless card with the 4% cash back thing, like I'm not going to sign up for it, but it's fascinating to think that, you know, that kind of distribution channel exists there. And I'm sure that is going to generate some crazy interchange for them. 
Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. Actually, Andrews and Hart to put out an interesting piece talking through this in a lot more detail, but the idea of being able to offer to embed those financial products into an or an offering you already had is going to you know increase the profitability of all your customers and also open you up to new markets that perhaps maybe didn't look quite as profitable, but now you can kind of leverage using financial services to expand, expand what you're doing to kind of more and more customers. Maybe it's a, a global region or an area that you weren't really looking at before. So. Yeah. You see all these, uh, these established brands adding financial services people very quickly. And it's, inter- I mean, I guess, you know, some of the, maybe the ride sharing companies tried it and it didn't quite work out for them, but it seems like they're still going after versions of it. And a lot of the, you know, the fangs, if you will, that I guess you're part of, uh, are, seem to be going after it too. So it's just really, I mean, I got my Apple card like sitting right next to me right here. So yeah, it's a, it's quite a thing. It's quite a time that we're living in. Um, so what outside of that, is there anything else in the world of the world of fintech that gets you, gets you excited, gets you out of bed in the morning? Anything that you want to you know shout out or do a little commercial for you? Sure. So I <laughs> want to, again, given my background, I'm coming from the, coming from the legacy institutions. I think what I'm excited about is actually seeing some of this partnerships happen. When I was at a couple of lending companies, it felt like for a number of years, oh, these partnerships are happening. They're getting traction, but they really weren't. It was not really happening uh, to the extent that everyone had hoped. And I think now we're finally seeing fintechs helping larger institutions better serve their customers and really drive innovation at some of the larger players. And that's a trend that's been picking up speed and I think is going to get more interesting over time. So because part of my role is working with venture capital firms and and their portfolio companies, I I do always look at where is investment going and the corporate venture arms and strategic investment arms of banks and financial institutions was up about, I think, 180% from 2018 to 2019. And so what's interesting about that is because they're trying, they're investing because they want to, they see value in that service. They might be using that service. Um, And so it's just an interesting data point to demonstrate what anecdotally I've been feeling. Um, And that's not just the gigantic ones, right? Like that's the other fascinating part from my position in a community bank in Kansas city previously is like, you know, NBKC, well, the holding company, um, but NBKC as a, you know, general brand was investing in a number of our partners, like thinking about Neocova, they raised their entire, you know, their entire round with community banks that will hypothetically be customers. Like it's, it's interesting to see that it's not, you know, the, these 54 sponsor banks that we have in the U S like they are moving just as quickly in this direction. It seems like as the, you know, JP Morgan chases or whoever else it's, it seems like they're starting to become a little bit of an even playing field there because of, maybe because of the nimbleness, maybe because of the leadership changes, but it, it seems like the kind of it's rising all the tide is rising all boats kind of thing. Absolutely. It's in banking. It's also in insurance. We talked to a yeah. lot of different insurance companies who are really looking to move. I actually have calls often with our team in Asia and a lot of the insurance companies there are looking for ways to, to innovate and partner with, with our fintech customers. So that's been, it's definitely been an exciting area for, for me to see. I think another area that is financial inclusion and just getting the underbanked or unbanked access to financial services. And it's been awesome to see so many of our customers that are, are helping drive that. And so Propel is a great example. Uh, they are a food stamp application that helps users manage their benefits. So they have seen the 
value in their ability to really scale up or down as the demands of their business change, especially during COVID. They certainly have an increased demand on on users that better need their product and their offering. Yeah, I mean, talk about distribution market fit, right? <laughs> They've been built quite a quite what is it two over two million users now, right? Yeah. And they're thinking about additional financial services products themselves. Absolutely. And a bright side is another one. I think that's an interesting, yeah. it's all around financial inclusion, but kind of going more directly to the employers to help provide personal financial assistance and financial planning to, um, to individuals through their, through their employers. And then even kind of looking beyond the U S and, and where we are, there's a company we work with called ALA credit. They're a FinTech in West Africa that helps customers just take the hassle out of identity verification and validation to get access to instant loans and instant capital. Uh, and they actually use some of our uh, service of ours called the AWS recognition. So they help for identity verification right on, right on their mobile applications. So those are just some examples. I could talk for days about all the customers and the cool stuff they're doing. And, and that's what I love about the position I'm in is that I, I get to work with all these amazing innovative companies and I kind of see the impact that they're having on, on, on the world. And that's been fun. Yeah. I mean, one con one 20 minute conversation with Jimmy Chen right now, and you probably have enough energy for the week, I would guess. He is a uh, inspirational. He's a wonderful um, leader and he's been uh, doing some really cool work, especially I think it was project 100 and then looking for more ways to kind of give back and, and, and drive value for the, the users of, of Propel. Yeah. He's a complete another inspiration for FinTech sake season one. OG. <laughs> Love you, Jimmy. If you're listening, you're probably not, you got a company to run. Um, well, Catherine, anything else that we should, uh, we should drive down the road of any other thoughts in the back of your head or anything else we should talk about? <laughs> No, I think, I think this has been, this has been great. You know, for any of the companies listening, I, you had mentioned it briefly, uh, the AWS activate program. So we have a ton of programs and resources to help earlier stage fintechs get up and running through credits and training and resources and technical enablement, perhaps most importantly. Yeah. And so we often, uh, make that available through our, our partner organizations, such as accelerators, incubators, and venture firms. But, Anyone, anyone wants to find out more, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. We'd love to help you get up and running. And if you're a more established fintech uh, and looking to have a more deeper strategic relationship, again, reach out. You know, we'd love to love to hear from you. And um, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you. Yeah, as always. And it sounds like regulators should be reaching out to you too, yeah. and bankers, <laughs> yeah. and everybody. Oh, everybody, reach out to Catherine. Team. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Reach out to Catherine, and she'll route you to people that can talk about compliance <laughs> compliantly. There we go. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Catherine. Always good connecting with you. Thank you, Zach. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode of For Fintech's Sake with Katherine Van Nuys. If you're not subscribed, you know the drill. Press that button on your favorite podcast platform. If you really love the show, even if you don't, lie to me and leave a review. Five stars every time. It would be appreciated. If you really hate it that much, I don't know how you made it this far. And if you want to get in touch with me to learn more about Bond or just to talk it out during these incredibly trying times, give me a holler. You can get in touch with me via email at Zach at For Fintech's Sake or find me on Twitter at Zach Pettit or at For Fintech's Sake. I've been away from fintech land for just a bit, so apologies if I haven't responded to you if you have tried to reach out. 
Until next time, stay healthy, keep your head high, and give all your money to small businesses immediately. See you soon, friends.